the season, and we're going to be jolly because wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Especially if you are one of our geeks and sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run, we're going to help out. We're going to be in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free. Thanks to our sponsors this week, Casper, Third Love and Robin Hood. They're bringing the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about games and their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis. The guy who always roasts his chestnuts on a closed fire. Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Don't knock it till you tried it, you know. Speaking of fitness, uh, the Terminator gave me a retweet. Granted, I was talking about a thing he wrote. But Arnold had a re- has a really good op-ed on CNN about getting into fitness and getting back into it. And there's one portion in particular that I will paraphrase, but it's just don't go for the six packs abs or the beach body. Just do a little more than you did yesterday and encouraging other people, other people to also, you know, if you ate one vegetable yesterday, eat one and a half today and just little incremental steps. And I I really, really liked it. You can find it on CNN from Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's like what I always say. uh, It's not how far, it's not how fast, it's how frequent yeah. Um, and, uh, and that's great. I thought maybe the reason you got a retweet is because you were like, uh, you tweeted out like, yo, anybody know where that John Connor is? <laughs> you're like, the Terminator retweeted me. Um, guys, the, what a time of year. Uh, it's all happening. We've got uh, news. We've got all the games. Uh, this is actually our last regular episode before the big end of the year spectacular uh, that we do every year. So, man, it's great. And I'm excited because we have an awesome guest this week. You know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, DLC stands for declaring a love for choke slams because we have self-avowed wrestling fan. In fact, she's watching wrestling right now. And freelancer Megan Sullivan. I'm so delighted to have you with us. Welcome, Megan. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm on DLC watching TLC. How about that? <laughs> hey, Tables, ladders, and chairs. Oh, my. Uh, that, is, uh, that is delightful. So, yeah, if, if, uh, if you hear her pop like a mark, you know what's going on in the background. I, I couldn't endorse this anymore. You know, when Christian and I are talking, feel free to zone out and watch uh, the sweet matches because uh, we're, we're so grateful that you gave up a, uh, a, pe- a pay-per-view night to be with us. So thank you. Oh, no, I am very excited to be on. I'm really excited about the topics you chose for this week. You have my full attention. All right. Well, let's get right into it and start the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week. It's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration by visiting our subreddit. That is 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Cool folks there. Fun community. I recommend you give it a visit. But Megan, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Oh, man, don't make me choose. There was some, there was some good stuff that you guys had on your little document. I have a lot of notes about Beyond Good and Evil 2. Okay, we so can talk about that. We could just go ahead and start right there. 
Yes, we got a uh, a whole mess of new gameplay footage from Beyond Good and Evil 2, the highly anticipated uh, sequel that's coming from Ubisoft. 25 minutes of new footage that they showed, that they streamed. Uh, and this is actually the same thing that I got to see behind closed doors at E3 last year. I was surprised that it, it was very similar to that stuff. But uh, first public showing, and there's a lot in there. Uh, a lot of the open world, crazy space stuff. There's even sort of combat sequences. So, Megan, what are your thoughts about what we saw? Are you Are you anticipating this game, first of all? I am anticipating it. It's very big. It's very bold and very beautiful. I admit it's not very beyond good and evil, but, you know, <laughs> it still looks really amazing, I have to say. Yeah, it it really does. I mean, it, it everybody's kind of describing it as, uh, you know, Grand Theft Auto in space in a lot of ways. And I think that they kind of lean into that a little bit with this uh, gameplay footage. But uh, what, what were the things that stuck out to you? See, I would say GTA meets Star Fox meets No Man's Sky. It's got a little mm. bit of, and I think there's some division in there as well. Um, I was very impressed by the amount of uh, customizable character options, uh, you know, you've got your space ride, whatever you want it to be. You got your weapons that are customizable. It's very RPG in that sense. I don't remember the first game being that RPG. It was more of an action adventure yeah. puzzle game. This is going in sort of an opposite direction where it's a big giant world for you and your friends if you want to explore. You got a spyglass that lets you look into everything. You can see the stats of your enemies. You can look into different planets and see what's there. I mean, there's so much about it. It's so ambitious. And uh, I'm just hoping that Ubisoft can pull this one off because if they can, It'll be amazing. If not, oh boy. Yeah, it's definitely reminiscent of No Man's Sky in that sense of of seamless transitions between the sort of granular uh, on foot stuff to this galactic scale. Uh, and I think even maybe more impressive than No Man's Sky, it's not all randomly generated. There's a lot of handcrafted stuff. In fact, uh, I think one of the most exciting moments for me in the in the stuff they showed is when you go out to the planetary level you look down on the planet you're on you can fly over it and see the cities that you've been able to explore but then you go up to this sort of home base uh, orbiting spaceship you've been in a spaceship that's more like a you know like an x-wing fighter size and then there's the star destroyer st- size ship that will be your home base that it looks massive and crazy. And as you said, all of that stuff customizable, all of it where you can swap out the look of things and make it very much your own, but also, you know, customizable uh, weapon enhancements and all that stuff. It and, and and I think the other big thing that, that this has over certainly No Man's Sky at launch is that it is all meant to be played with friends and you don't, you're not tethered to one another, even across the vastness of this space. You can go off and be on a completely different planet and still be in the same game world. I need help. You got to come help me. Where are you? Uh, Five light years. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's, but it does look extremely impressive. Christian, did you get a chance to see it? I scrubbed through it. I didn't watch all 25 minutes. Um, I think what impressed impresses me the most about this is uh i think they're gonna do it like i really think they're gonna pull this thing off it's it was vaporware for so long right this game that's been stopped and started and then shown and then shown again in a weird way that's like what you're you're making it oh god someone please make this game we need help making this game and, and then now there's real game uh incredible graphics and 
I think if you had said this maybe five years ago, or if I had said this, I, I wouldn't believe it. But I think Ubisoft is the publisher and developer to pull this game off. I mean, look at the last two Assassin's Creed, Far Cry, um, uh, the Tom Clancy Ghost Recon, Wildlands, like the games and maps and areas they're able to pull off. And I know it's not infinite space, but in Assassin's Creed, when you zoom out to your hawk and you see this landscape and you can see everywhere and you can go anywhere, and even that isn't a fraction of where you're actually going to go once you get in your ship, um, they certainly seem to have the teams and resources that can pull off these games. So even if you told me that this was just going to be essentially assassin's creed in space i'd be like they nailed it <laughs> you know like what an incredible game um so i'm I've, i went from never gonna happen to super jazzed about this game i still don't know how it is beyond good and evil i agree with megan there but i i, I think they're gonna do it yeah it, it i mean that's what i came away from e3 thinking is uh, all of the skepticism i had voiced up to that point of you know, really, they got to crowdsource this? Really? Oh, my gosh. This is it seems like <laughs> that's bad news. But uh, it really feels like the crowdsourcing is more for little bits of detail, not large swaths of detail. And yeah, it looks like it's really coming together. My only gripe here is that we're what, six months after seven months after E3. And I mean, there's no need for them to show new things, but and I'm sure they've progressed the game in the intervening months, but it, it really is the exact same content that was shown behind closed doors at E3. So it's a little bit of a bummer that there wasn't anything really new revealed, even though this was the first time that everybody could, as you did, you know, scrub through and look at things in detail and see frame by frame and not have to rely on secondhand uh, recounting of, of, of this stuff. But I, I certainly hope the game is continuing apace. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's a 2019 game, but it sure would be great if we found that out that it was. Yeah, I don't think anything about it says 2019 yet. I think it, you know, I'd love it. Imagine if it launched with the next-gen consoles, with these rumored 2020 consoles, and you get Beyond Good and Evil 2 very early in that console lifespan. I, I think there's room for it to slip. And, I, you know, as we talk about on the show, let's have it when it's ready instead of getting it out by 2019. Megan, is there anything that you're hoping to see with this project? Are you hoping that they manage to find some ways to be a little bit more reminiscent of the first game? Or is there something else that you would w want to see out of this project that would make you even more excited? Well, I do think that if they could put in a few Easter eggs, you know, something with a camera, something yeah. a little bit with more environmental puzzles, something that says, hey, this is the beyond good and evil universe. And I think they'll, they'll do that. You can see echoes of it in the, you know, anthropomorphic, you know, cast of characters and everything. But it would be nice to see a few more throwbacks. And I think we saw Jade in that one trailer way back at E3. So there will be something to tie it all together, I'm sure. And I'm going to be patient. I think that Ubisoft may have felt a little pressure to show this a little earlier than maybe they wanted to, just to reassure the fans, like, hey, we're not pulling a fast one on you. You've been waiting for this for, what, 20-something years? The original <laughs> yeah. game came out in, like, the early 2000s. So here you go. Here's proof. We're not just taking money and running with it, or we're not making this up. Um, I can wait. I think... We may not even see this till 2021, and that would be fine with me. Take your time. Do what you need to do to get this right. Yeah. Well, they're certainly jumping on that that uh, Red Dead Redemption bandwagon where, you know, the, the new cool thing is to have the, 
the number two mean it came before the first game, right? There's a, right. another prequel that's called number two, uh, which is, you know, confusing. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on that same bag. But take your time, make it right. Uh, I don't even need periodic updates. Just knowing that they're working hard on this is, uh, is good enough for me. Christian, what about you? What's your story of the week? Well, there's a lot of serious stuff I hope we get to talk about, but there's one thing I for sure want to talk about, and it's not that serious, but it's going to be my story of the week. We all saw that Sonic poster, right? Like, Jeff, I know you don't watch, <laughs> I know you don't watch trailers, but you looked at that You looked at that poster, and so my question to both of you is, uh, scary or sexy, or both? Like, what? Wh- where, where, where are we landing on Sonic? I, uh, I saw that actually last night when I saw the Spider-Verse movie. My friends and I are in the movie theater going in, and I actually jump scared it actually legit scared me i was like what is that like oh you haven't seen the new sonic poster check this out i was like nope 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 yeah did you look i mean at it i yet? think i yeah i'm looking at it right now uh i like how somebody <laughs> made it seem as if he's naked uh you, you know maybe maybe we don't we can't tell that he's not he's got shoes on that's good um those legs, they're, man. They're, they're going for it, man. They're going for it. I don't know why we need to be cynical and snarky. I'm not being cynical and snarky. I'm just having an honest reaction. I I think it is uh, sexualized in an interesting way with human muscular <laughs> legs. Uh, yeah. they, we, we've had Sonic in movies before where I thought Sonic looked great in Wreck-It Ralph. I think that version of Sonic looks incredible. I know he's not with real-world people here. This film has an incredible cast behind it, so hopefully... Everybody read the script and signed off on it. It's great. But this initial reaction to this poster, when I saw it, I I legit thought it was a joke. Uh, One thing I can tell you is that Sonic does not skip leg day. Uh, That's that's for (laughs) certain. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. But yeah, this is an odd image to start with. It's an odd image. It really – it's like somebody took the bottom half of Usain Bolt and put a Sonic head on it (laughs) in silhouette. But uh, yeah, I mean, here's hoping it's a good movie. I think we're that, all gonna see it anyway. Let's yeah, be honest. we are. That's I, don't, sure. I didn't see Pixel. I'm, I don't see anything just because characters I love are in it. You know, I have a little low standards, but standards. I mean, you're you're going. You're thinking this is gonna be as bad as Pixel? I don't know. I hope not. Again, because of the cast, I'm assuming no. But I'm not for sure going to see this film. Yeah, I'm going to see it. I'll see it. Remind me who's in it because I'm kind of blanking now that you mention it. So James Marsden is the buddy. Uh, Jim Carrey is Dr. Robotnik. And um, uh, what's his name? John Ralphio. Uh, Come on. Schwartz. Ben Schwartz. Yeah, Ben Schwartz. Is is Sonic. Is the voice of Sonic. This is all great. It's all great. They're all incredible actors. We hope. Yeah, we do hope. We do hope. All right, Christian, do you want to have another one if this isn't this was just your I mean I for sure another? wanted to talk about it. Yeah. I mean we had to we had to get that out of the way. Uh yeah, I mean I think the the more serious one is this um epic taking over the world. I think this is big and it kind of links into this is a, a big messy thing, but so Discord has upped their game uh in the PC storefront wars where Discord's Discord storefront in twenty nineteen is gonna offer developers a 90 10 revenue share epic does 88 12 and steam is 70 30 but epic is also going to start releasing in addition to unreal engine they are also now releasing a cross-platform game service free to developers and what they're free. showing free, free for yes. free uh and what they're showing is how it they're 
Fortnite is the proof of the pudding, right? Where for years, Epic has done the, hey, here's a game we made. This is demoing our engine. Don't you want to license our engine because you can make a game as beautiful as this? Now, I mean, they're still kind of doing that with Fortnite and some other games, but Epic is going, look at this. You can play on an iPhone, Android, PlayStation, Xbox, PC, Switch. You can log in all of these different ways. You're not tied to a single login. They all can play with each other. And you want to do that in your game? Here you go. It's free. You got to use our engine, which is still pretty dang inexpensive and free up to a certain amount also. Then, of course, they're getting their kickback on it. And I imagine there's going to be an incentive to then have it on their store. But Epic is, it's a pretty appealing thing, right? Megan, like if you're making a game, how do you look anywhere else or use any other engine unless you have to, right? No, you, you do have to. This is kind of the future, basically, where everything is going. And for gamers, it's also great because you can play with your friends across different platforms. You can sign in across different platforms. I mean, it's it's kind of where the technology was always heading. So it was great to see that announcement. We're kind of getting into the direction that we should have a few years ago. But, you know, it, it's hard when you have holdouts like PlayStation and whatnot. And I understand they have their ecosystem. They want to be protective of it. But, I mean, this is just the way things are going, man. I couldn't be happier. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that's the more even more pertinent point from my perspective. I think, Christian, you make great points about it being a, a game changer from a developer standpoint. But I think from a gamer standpoint, this is the beginning of the end of Walled Gardens. There, this really is. I mean, it's going to there's not going to be a time, you know, we, this this last year, one of the big stories was Sony finally going, OK, you can have cross platform. Now it seems like cross platform is going to just be how all games are. I and hope so. I, th- I mean, unless it's a first-party game from one of the platform holders, right? And, and then, of course, that's that's the differentiator of the platform. But everybody else, it seems to me, is just going to have to catch up. If every tiny developer can offer this, then the big boys are going to have to offer it too. And, you know, you kind of ticked off the list of things that, that Epic is going to be including for free. Cross-platform voice communication? That's huge! Yeah. I mean... Uh, cross-platform parties and matchmaking cross-platform data storage and cloud saved games play uh you know so far on the campaign on your xbox then hop over to your phone and play a little bit more there and it's like it it, this is huge and i think it's just going to break that down for gamers to where that's just going to be what we expect as baseline is that i'm going to be able to play my game wherever and wherever and it's just going to be seamless and everybody's going to have to do this. And they're not promising, like making vague promises. This is something they're currently doing with the biggest game in the world that has huge server demand. It's not as if like, yeah, we hope to do this by 2020 or 2019. It's we've been doing this with our game for a while now. You've seen how well it works where you get to move your content from one to the other. You can play on with someone on an iPhone and on PC if you want. We're not going to force you to do that. But if your friend's on PC, you're on iPhone, you guys can party up and play together. Go for it. Have fun. And now we're going to give this to you. It's uh, it's unreal. That's the dumb pun. There we go. <laughs> it's, well it's, it's astonishing. <laughs> yeah, it's and it's going to. It's I think it's going to be one of those things that in a couple of years just feels like a no brainer. You know, like I don't know, like having uh, online multiplayer support. You know, for many years it was like, oh, I don't know, is it going to have online multiplayer? And now it's just like it has. You know, have to. You know, if, if every game do- or there's probably a better example, but it's just going to be one of those things. And in a few years, we won't even remember a time when games didn't have that because it's just going to be so baseline to everything. 
So, and I think that's only a good thing from the gamer perspective. One question for you, Megan and, and Jeff, but Megan, I'll start with you. Is this Walmart going into town, lowering all their prices, or is this the drug dealer giving you the first hit free? <laughs> Are we five years away from Epic being the only you know big dog in town and going, oh, you like that crossplay, don't you? Well, you owe us money. Uh, no, I think I think eventually people will catch on. I think they got a head start. So they might be the drug dealer in front or in the Walmart being like, hey, <laughs> hey, hey. But I mean, I mean, the genie's out of the bottle, right? Like it is so easy to go into Fortnite, you know, look up your friends, invite them no matter what platform they're on. You know, it, it really spoils you. The idea of signing in on any platform, be like, all right, I'll play my Fortnite on my phone while I'm on the train to work. Now I want to go home and play on a bigger screen. I mean, it's really spoiled us. There's no turning back at this point. So everyone's going to have to come on board, but they got a running start. Good for them. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I think this is to use your analogy, Christian, this is, this means that drug prices are coming down everywhere. <laughs> you know, this means that, uh, it's count the days until unity announces something very similar, you know, right. It's, it, it just means that this has to be in order for you to have a an engine and a platform, this is going to be the thing that you're going to have to offer. And we saw that happen just recently, you know, just in the last few years with the, all of these um, these platform, all these engines, all these you know these these engine suites of softwares becoming basically free, basically yeah. dirt cheap. And uh, and that I, I don't know if Epic was the first one to do it or if Unity was the first one to do it. I can't remember exactly, but somebody went. Hey, it's basically free. We just get a percentage on the back end, and then everybody had to do that. So I think that's what's going to happen. I think Megan's absolutely right. It's that's what's going to happen. Is uh, it's just going to be everybody has to catch up, and they have the head start, like she said. Oh, what a wild, what a wild future we're we're in already. And then adding into that some version of Project Stream and streaming stuff and yeah. playing anything everywhere. It's like that. Was it Minority Report where you have like I know he had the touch screen, some futuristic movie where it's like you have the tablet or your phone and then you like you put it down on the table and it transitions that to a big screen but it's all still the same device like we're going to be there maybe not with the device being powerful enough to power your big screen but somehow like you'll walk into your smart home and it will know your home so it will just transition your game over to the big media device and log you in or something it's uh it's it's uh pretty exciting it is we're, the future is happening now um, my story of the week, uh, and yes, many people posted this on the subreddit, uh, attention me, and many people sent me tweets and emails, and I appreciate all of your concern. Uh, this is very self-serving. It's definitely my story of the week, but it was a big one for me. Uh, my very favorite game, Heroes of the Storm, had a massive uh, bit of news, <laughs> some big news dropped. That wasn't so great. Uh, after several months of dithering and will they, won't they, and this is an oddly silent and why don't we know what's going on, Blizzard made the announcement that their Blizzard-sponsored international, well, yeah, international esports called the Heroes Global Championship is not going to happen, is, is being canceled for 2019 and will no longer happen ever again. And even more than that, for me, is one of, I think, the most positive events I've ever been that's associated with gaming. Uh, it was called Heroes of the Dorm, which was a sponsored uh, collegiate tournament that they did every year that awarded the winners full ride scholarships to the college of their choice. Uh, it was uh, they're also canceled. 
And more than that, there was a post saying that developers are being pulled from the game and moved on to other unnamed, unannounced projects. Uh, the game evidently will continue and there will still be uh, updates, but the, quote, cadence of these updates will be slower than it is today. And, you know, I don't know exactly what that means. I do know Heroes of the Storm has had one of the most intense update schedules of any game I've ever seen where just constant stream of new uh, content and uh, an insane amount of new heroes and battlegrounds and skins and all kinds of stuff. Just a, just insane. Uh, clearly that will slow. Uh, and uh, for me, this is a this is a big hit because I love this game. I play it every single day. And uh, it's leading a lot of people to say, dead game. Um, and I guess, Megan, my question to you is, uh, how important do you think esports is to games like this? Well, I think it's very important, right? I mean, people train on these games all the time. They play them constantly. So I, I do think it could affect it negatively. I mean, my hope is that fans love it so much. I mean, these things existed before esports, and hopefully they'll continue to support it. And hey, there's always a chance they'll bring it back. But I read the news, and I was a little surprised. I was like, really? I I shows how naive I am. I thought it was doing pretty well. I mean, it's got a huge following. So I was really shocked. And I'm not exactly sure what the motivation for that is. But my hope is that stay positive fans maybe they'll bring that back later they're slowing things down now but if the community stays strong maybe petitions the company later i mean who knows i just i don't want to be too disparaging be like oh no it's it's the it's the end for heroes of the storm but you know what just just stay strong fans i mean your love and support won't go away right Mine certainly is not going away. It's a little scary that, you know, the, the message that sends to the to the community of, of, you know, we're not supporting the game, we're not, you know, no eSport. I think if a lot of people that I, I'm associated with in that community have voiced this, and I'll reiterate it here, you know, it, the game, logging into the game today is exactly the same it was before the announcement. There's no difference, still the same fun. There's no, no less fun. But it does send a message to people um, streamers and and uh and professionals you know that don't don't play this game and i think the the requirement for a game like this is that nine other people are going to be logged on at the same time you are and want to play and that's more than you know just one-on-one games that's 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 a lot a lot of people that need to be playing it in in a in a community that needs to thrive in order to you know find good competitive games i'll still keep playing it certainly but it worries me. And, and Christian, my question to you is, uh, you know, there's a lot of speculation that this comes from Activision who is kind of cracking the whip, uh, on Blizzard and asking for more frequent releases, more profitable games. Uh, and we all already have seen in 2018, some big changeover at Blizzard with, um, Morheim stepping down and a a new uh, CEO of the company stepping up. And I, you know, other people leaving. Do you think this is cause for worry within the power structure that is Activision Blizzard? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, this is just purely speculation, but I think it's, um, I don't want to say clear, uh, hard not to assume that all of these things are in some way linked together, right? Where Morheim stepping down, Activision then releasing their guidance or, or their desire for what Blizzard is doing. Um, 
Diablo Immortal being announced at BlizzCon as a foray into mobile and Blizzard saying all of our games are going to be, you know, we're going to have mobile versions of all of our IPs. And then the fact that um, Heroes was kind of their least profitable game, still very profitable from what I had looked up and read, but their least of these kind of service games that they were running. And you got to think, you know, what what is Blizzard going to be in the next five or ten years? And with games taking five to ten years to make, or, you know, two to five years to kind of make and come out, what kind of company are they going to be? And what is their next big game going to be? Because we haven't really seen their next big game. They've done some card games, some updates, some remasters. Well, you say some card games. I mean, Hearthstone is massive hit for them. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it's not. I'm not saying it's not. But... It's it's a it's not uh, StarCraft four or or Diablo four or well, I might argue 4 that or StarCraft three I guess it would be. I might I would argue Hearthstone is maybe one of the reasons that you see stuff like this. A Hearthstone was was I think sort of a side project that turned into a main project because of just how crazy profitable and successful it became. And Overwatch has been very successful for them. So. I think there are some of these games are victims of the overall success of the company, and it's Maybe. not like you know they they want they want the hit maker to make hits, and they're not not satisfied with these you know deep cut tracks that are you know people enjoy but aren't uh, chart toppers. I think you put heroes at any other studio, and it's a hit <laughs> for that studio. Not not saying it'd do better, but that studio would be like, we got a hit. Uh, <laughs> I'm just curious. I guess maybe I set it up wrong, but I'm curious what their next major release will be, whether that is a Hearthstone type card game or whether it's Diablo 4 or whether it's a StarCraft Ghost or a single player. Like what they've been announcing recently have appeared to me been remasters of old games and no real big announcement yet of what their next big tentpole summer blockbuster game is going to be. And I, I'm I'm curious to see what it is. I think that will be the best um tea leaves for us to read about where blizzard is going and, and what activision blizzard is maybe doing yeah yeah i mean i think you know they, they put out a, a big wow expansion that was very successful for them this year and they put out hearthstone expansions all the time and um but you're right that we haven't seen a new ip since overwatch which again there was no new ip before overwatch for a long time but uh, who knows if they're working on that who knows if they're working on a new you know, Warcraft RTS type game, if they're working on uh, Diablo 4, it seems to indicate that they are working on Diablo 4, or if there's, you know, what that company is going to be at this point, I think it's a little up in the air, especially with new, a new uh, person heading up the entire company. I think that's, it's an interesting point of flux uh, for that company. Um, Megan, are you a, are you a Blizzard fan in general? You said Diablo 4, and I wanted to burst into tears. I was like, where's my Diablo 4? <laughs> I didn't want a mobile game. Although I got to tell you, mobile games make so much money. I don't blame them going in that direction. I mean, we can complain all we want, but they're going to make so much bank on that Diablo mobile yeah. title. It's going to be ridiculous. But no, seriously, where's my Diablo 4? It's got to be coming, right? It's. I, I think ne- next BlizzCon, they get to have the fun 
uh, tease with the audience and then really come out with Diablo 4. They get to like make fun of themselves and be self-effacing and talk about how they screwed up last year and then say, well, we still don't have Diablo 4 and then walk off stage and then Diablo 4 uh, reveal happens and then everybody cheers and it's like, oh, I, could, I couldn't stay mad at you. you know? <laughs> yeah, it, no, exactly. Although the thing is, like, I, I worry that the pressure people have to reveal these things early. I mean, we're not going to see the Elder Scrolls 6 for about a bazillion years. And I think Bethesda felt pressured to show something like, yes, it's in development. And I don't yeah. want Activision to feel that same pressure if it's not coming out for another four or five years. Please don't do that to us. I agree. Yeah. I didn't need to know about Dragon Age 4. Let it, it's fine. I don't need to know. It's cool. I trust you're working on it. Let me know when you've got more than a vague uh, shape that you right. slowly pan across. I don't need to. And, and, a, and a voiceover. Yeah. We, we know who that is. We, we know it's, com- we, we trust you Bioware. We, we know you're not going to leave us hanging. Right. Right. All right. Well, uh, let us get to the games that we have been playing. Cause they, they are, they are Legion and I'm excited to talk about them, but I do have to thank our first sponsor, which is Casper. Oh, can I tell you something? I, I was traveling this weekend. My family does early holiday celebration and uh, i traveled up to my family's house my family does christmas and you yet you all yell first because you guys do it before everybody else yeah we do we do uh (laughs) it's it's actually works out really well because our family you know does it early and then everybody can go to the other halves of their family but uh i tell you that because i did not sleep at my home and uh my son was having a hard time sleeping and so i ended up sleeping on the floor and uh, that was last night. Slept on the floor in front of my, my son's crib uh, to, to comfort him and, and make sure he wasn't waking everybody else up in the house by crying. Uh, and there was no time where I was more missing a Casper mattress than, <laughs> than last night. Uh, oh, my gosh. If it feels like you're sleeping on the floor, if you've been sleeping on a mattress for far too long, upgrade. Upgrade to Casper. Casper is, is here to make your sleep better. They have products that are designed to mimic human curves, unlike uh, unyieldy floors. They provide supportive comfort for all kinds of bodies and they are there to be an affordable upgrade because they cut out the middleman. They don't have stores. They don't have pushy salespeople. I guess, I guess that's me, but you know, they, they don't have a, a place that you have to go on Memorial day to, to shop. They have, it's all online. They cut out the middleman and they pass those savings along. They have various, uh, selections of, of mattresses. The, 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 the classic, the essential, and the wave that all offer different kinds of support, different kinds of cooling uh, ability at, at night. It's really, I mean, there's no reason to have bad sleep. Uh, you can get an affordable price. You can get hassle-free returns if you're not completely satisfied. In fact, you have 100 nights, 100 nights to sleep on your Casper before you have to make up your mind. And then if you don't like it, they'll come to your house and pick it up for free. It's pretty great. Hey, Get $50 off select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash DLC and using promo code DLC at checkout. Terms and conditions apply, but there's not a there's no excuse for you to have a, another night of discomfort sleeping. Go casper.com slash DLC and that promo code DLC at checkout. Get yourself $50 towards select mattresses. Time to talk about what we have been playing this week. Uh, Megan, you've been all up on that Super Smash Bros, right? Everybody's playing that these days. Well, I got to play it for the first time last night with friends, and it is fun, I gotta say. Uh, All sitting in the same room? 
Yes, we actually were. We went to see the Spider-Verse movie. We had some good dinner, and then we played some Smash. It was a good night. Oh, that sounds like the best. Uh, so, okay. Tell me what you like about it. Tell me who your main is. Tell me what modes you've been playing. Uh, tell me if you've been able to figure out what the heck the menus are telling you. Uh, what's your experience like? Well, I wasn't able to figure out the menus at all. I had to rely on the experts. I ended up kind of maining Isabel mm. from uh, Animal Crossing. She was a ton nice. of fun. But I, I played like six or seven characters. I played like half the cast of like the Fire Emblem games. I played Peach. I played Ganon. I played Zelda, Kirby, you name it. I was just trying to find my groove. And I feel like Isabel was, was the one. Nice. I love it. Uh, I feel like... The best way to play this game, bar none, is sitting on a couch next to people that you can also kind of shove and oh, talk yeah. smack to at their fa- in their face and all that stuff. I miss that. I miss that sort of like local co-op, you know, be with your buddies on the couch. I mean, it's frustrating. We can only play online with friends when you really just kind of like want to get in their face, want to push them off the couch. So I'm really glad that uh, I can play Smash with my friends in the same room, talk smack, in their face, even though I lost every match because I suck at those games. <laughs> but it have, sure is fun. Do you have like a preferred controller setup? Or are we using we using teeny tiny little Joy-Cons? Or no, we you... were using the GameCube controllers, which oh. I feel like is the appropriate way to do it. Schmancy. You guys don't mess around. I love it. Oh, yeah. We're, we were, we were all hardcore. <laughs> uh, Christian, I know you've been playing a lot of Smash uh, as usual. Um, but you are not. you don't have people coming over and sitting on your couch, right? I mean, no, sometimes I get to play with people at work, but not as much as I want to. I played my first rounds online, which I know other people have been complaining about, but uh, <laughs> TMI uh, played a bunch of online while sitting in the bath the other night after uh, being sore from working out. And That's always your first message to everyone Then you get match, match made with them. It's like, I'm in the bath right now. You can I'm change your custom emotes to naked in a bath, naked in a bath. <laughs> Do they send you messages like, you know, send pics? <laughs> Pics are going to happen. And and then when I I send them pics and it's just like, you know, Nintendo characters in a bath and then I smash (laughs) them off the stage. Um, But I had a lot of fun. You're in a bath. You can only pick Splatoon characters. (laughs) True. I had a lot of fun playing online. Uh, I lost most matches. I think I won twice. Um, Just playing with randoms and playing quick play. I think most of the complaints about online are like, you can go in and set all your preferences and it's like, do you want to play one V one? No items. Great. Oh, here's a match of four with items. And you're just like, this is not, (laughs) it's a preference, not a, not a, you know, I just, Deal breaker. Yes, yes. Um, but just for quick matches, I've had a lot of fun. Actually, right before we started the show, I just unlocked Sonic, which I'm pretty happy about. Does he have those sweet muscular legs? No, it's he's a really good looking model. Uh, <laughs> regular sexy, not <laughs> Usain Bolt sexy. Um, I I still really enjoy it. There's so much to do. Uh, just bouncing between spirits and adventure mode, and then standard arcade and online, and just the general moment to moment play of it is really fun and i like the way the spirits i've kind of wrapped my head around them a little more and i always knew this from the beginning right but as i played with it more it's just it's gear right instead of giving sonic armor and gauntlets and a a crown the way you would an injustice it's they call them spirits because nintendo gets to use more nostalgia that way but it's the same thing your main will give you some power or ability and then depending on your main spirit you'll have 
slots for two or three or, or one additional and those add other little perks. So you're kind of trying to complement your character the best way in your fighting style. And then also in adventure mode, some of the particular stages you're on, uh, like wind or whatever. Um, so you want to use um, what Snorlax to be wind resistance, I think is that spirits perk um, or you can do speed. You can do a bunch of spirits that have a speed up perk and then play with a character like Samus and she's a lot faster, but still pretty strong. Um, there's a lot of strategy and depth that can go into it, or you can just auto select and play and have fun. And I have been playing a lot of smash mostly in handheld mode and still really, really enjoying it. I'm surprised. Um, I'm surprised at how much I'm playing it, to be honest. With everything else that's still on my Switch, it's still what I'm going to this past week every time I pick it up. How pruney do you get when you do? How many matches are you are we talking in the bath? Well, I usually play until I feel like the seal of my Ziploc bag is coming unreliable, and I need to take the Switch out. I'm not in the bath. The Switch <laughs> is in a bath. Oh, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Um. All right. So you guys have have geeked out a little bit on Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Fair fair play. Now I get to geek out with Megan on the game that I'm still in love with, and that is Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Uh, do you love it? Do you love it like I love it? It is my game of the year. No joke. Yes! Oh, it is so good. It is, it so is good. amazing. Yeah. And you, you're talking to someone who liked Assassin's Creed but was never a huge fan. Mm-hmm. But this in Origins, it just fires up my imagination. I mean, I am trying to – I haven't tried to platinum – a game in a long time, and I am determined to platinum this game. How many That's hours is that? Game to platinum. About eighty is what I've been told. I hit uh, I hit level fifty the other night. Uh, I'm very happy about that because then after that you get prestige levels. So that's literally like sort of soft level cap. You get prestige levels after that. Um, I have uh, taken down everybody in the arena, uh, I, but I'm Good like job. I'm just doing what what interests me i'm, I'm kind of doing the sto- main story when it's ex- interesting but i'm just following my curiosity and doing what i want to do and it's been so long since i've played a game like this where i'm just luxuriating in it and everything is fun and i keep wanting to come back to it and it hasn't lost my interest even though it's massive and i've dumped 50 plus hours into it already yeah i i adore it i adore can it. i can i give a shout out to ubisoft so i've actually been to greece Oh. And I've been to a lot of those locales, and they did an amazing job researching. I actually have a Twitch cast called History and Games, where I play games with a historical slant, and I talk about the real history, and Ubisoft knocked it out of the park. I mean, they got real nitty-gritty with the history, and oh. I was just so impressed. I was like, oh my gosh, that's where the treasury of the Athenians is in Delphi. They got oh. it right. It's so detailed. That, so that's another layer of um, of just awe that I am in of this game is because I kind of can't believe this game is even possible. Just the, the amount of stuff, just the pure amount of stuff in it. And I go, okay, well, there's a part of me that can go, okay, well, you just, you just throw in resources at this. People are creating a thing, but it's one thing to even make a game of this scale and density at all. And another is to make a game of a game of this scale and density. That is also even remotely historically accurate. Like you can't just put things willy nilly in the game. You have to actually at least kind of be from what we know of the time accurate, right? 
Yeah, it's pretty. It's not an easy topic either. I mean, this is the Second Peloponnesian War it goes on for thirty years, and I mean, there's a lot of history to cover, and and they really try. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome, and I I, I love the milieu. Uh, it, you talk about having been to Greece. This game, no joke, has made me bring up the topic to my wife. Like, maybe we should go to Greece. It looks gorgeous, and I want to leap go. off of things. Um, oh, yeah, I'm sure there will be no problems with that. I just go to the top of the Parthenon and take a leap of faith. Yeah, what sure could go wrong? I'm sure there's a hay bale down there somewhere. Of course, naturally. <laughs> I saw tons of them walking around Greece. No, seriously, it's gorgeous. A lot of history. Cool people. Go, go, go. I had uh, a cool experience this weekend. I mentioned already that I was up uh, having early Christmas with my family. And uh, one of the things that I enjoy about early Christmas is that uh, it's one of the rare times that I get to hang out with my 15 year old nephew uh, and get a view the way into he frames what... that is. It's one of the rare times I have to hang out with my old man, uncle. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> uh, but it's one of the, one of the times where I get to really get a, a clear view into what, uh, what the, what the teens are thinking about the video games. And uh, I sit down, I'm like, Hey teen, tell me about the video <laughs> games. And I have to tell you, you know, there was a, a period of his life where I would come, go to Christmas and all he would talk about is Minecraft, and I would struggle to relate because I just never got into Minecraft. And last year, uh, all it was was uh, Fortnite. Still into Fortnite. Uh, this year, he's into Fortnite, and he plays a ton of Black Ops Four. He loves Black Ops Black Ops Four, but interestingly, doesn't play Blackout mode. He only hmm. plays the actual multiplayer. Huh. He doesn't like it. He doesn't like the the Blackout mode. Uh, which I found very strange because he, you know, he loves Fortnite, but he never, never got into PUBG, and I think he he doesn't like the battle royale mode without building stuff. He just likes the regular, uh, the regular Call of Duty multiplayer that he knows. Anyway, that's beside the point. The bigger point is we're talking about Fortnite. We're talking about Call of Duty. I'm struggling to keep up because those neither of those games is particularly my jam, and here I am, like the cool uncle that hosts a video game show i should be able to relate and it's, i always struggle and then he goes well i'm also playing assassin's creed odyssey and i went yeah dude and we had the greatest 45 minute conversation about what talents to take and what areas and what quests he's done and you know he's he's nowhere near as far as me so i got to feel cool because i'm way farther in the game than him and i got to recommend some talents to take and told him you know you gotta tame a, you can tame a bear and I was the cool uncle for the first time in quite a long time. Uh, Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Are you team Are you team Sparta or Athens out of curiosity? That's so funny. He asked me the same question and I went, I kind of flip-flop. I don't I don't have a uh, clear I just kind of go where the winds take me like a true mercenary. You're a true Mythios. Exactly, a true Mythios. Yes. What about you? You know, I initially did the same thing, but I kind of lean towards Team Sparta for some reason. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I think I like their swagger. Yeah, that's exactly what my 15-year-old uh, uh, nephew He's Team Sparta as well. Uh, <laughs> so there you go. You're, you're in good company. See, I have, a, I have a nephew who's also 15, and he and my niece are coming out to visit for the holidays. And I'm also curious to know what they're playing because I feel like I play totally different games. And there's like a generation gap thing where I'm like, 
what games are you playing? How do you not like, I, I showed them Breath of the Wild a couple of years ago and they're like, what's Zelda? And I'm like, what? <laughs> what do you mean what's Zelda? Uh, How dare you? I'm going to educate you. Oh, that character from Smash has their own game? Weird. Oh, they don't even, they don't even know Smash. Like they're not Nintendo kids. Like hmm. they do everything on iPad and iPhone. So I'm like the uncool person where I'm playing these old fart games and they're playing like Wizard or Wizardry 101 or whatever. I mean, I've, yeah, I got to catch up, man. Yeah. That's how it's always been for me too. And I, and I was like, well, video games, that's the one topic we can always, and then no, it turns out, no, there's still a generation gap, but uh, I was very pleased. Um, but it, you know, interestingly, he, I asked him about Fortnite and he went, yeah, I got the battle pass this year, but I haven't really played it. I kind of regret getting the battle pass. And so at least for uh, him, maybe this he's kind season. Of, what the battle passes aren't years. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, actually, he said he said something, and then he, I was like, "That's cool and very fly, and you're fresh." And he was like, uh, "Get out of here, oldie!" And I was like, oh. <laughs> uh, no, he's cool. He's very nice. Uh, I'm curious to see if my ne- nephew and niece play Fortnite because that is something that I play. Where I'm like, "Hey, play this cool thing all the kids love," and then they'd be like, "No." <laughs> it does seem pretty ubiquitous, but um, you know, maybe not. I don't know. Um, Megan, you, you are all, also playing a game. That I know a lot of people love and gets short shrift on the show because neither Christian nor I have played it, and that is Dragon Quest Eleven. Uh, yes, I, do you? Uh, people are go crazy for that game. I've never been into the Dragon Quest series personally, um, but I, I hear this one is a strong entry. It is a strong entry. It actually brings the series into the 21st century, which is kind of nice. It's always kind of dragged its feet on that, but it's a uh, it's more open world. It's more action based. Beautiful graphics. Good solid story, some additional content after the credits roll. Uh, I, I recommend it. I, I think, unfortunately, it dropped at a time where there were a lot of big games that came out. Yeah, 2018. You know, yeah, 2018, <laughs> basically. That's the way to uh, summarize it. So, and it's funny because I didn't think anything was going to beat out 2017. I mean, that was a banner year for games. And uh, 2018 had a very solid showing. And so I feel like Dragon Quest Eleven got a little overshadowed in an you know, in a time where any other year they would have done all right. So I'm happy to uh, recommend it to people. If you love JRPGs, you love anime-esque stuff, and you just love something very family-friendly and fun, I would go for Dragon Quest Eleven. Cool. Yeah, tons of stuff to play, especially of the size and scale of those games. It's hard to be like, yeah, take, take this 50-hour experience along with all the other ones that have come out this year. But, uh, yeah, people love it. Um Christian, how about you? What do you got on your playlist? Well, I said I was going to do it, and I did it. When Guacamelee 2 came out first on uh, PlayStation, um, I was I wait for the Switch release. It dropped on Switch last week. Picked it up. Uh, I also picked up, if people on the stream, I'll show it. It's I got one of the Hori uh, D-pad Joy-Con things. Um, mm, yeah, it only it's, works. It's pretty sharp looking. Yeah, I, I love it. I got a Pikachu one. Um, so it only works in handheld mode. You can't detach it and it doesn't do rumble. Um, but I play most of my switch in handheld mode and I really like the D pad on it. It's pretty stupendous. It's not the best D pad I've ever used, but it feels pretty dang good. So I wanted to get it. I find Uh, myself turning rumble off a lot anyway. In handheld mode, I do as well. I like it on the pro controller, but in handheld mode, we're like, that's also the screen. (laughs) Like I don't want earthquake mode on, you know, (laughs) um, but uh, so I bought it one because I don't have impulse control and it was like 19 bucks on target. I think normally it's like 29 or 25. Um, 
and I knew Guacamelee 2 was coming out and I wanted to play it with the D-pad. So Guacamelee 2, uh, you probably heard about it when it first came out. It's incredible. Uh, if you love the first game, it's easy to recommend the second game. I'm maybe three hours in, um, so not super deep, but it's the same action platformy combat, <clears throat> excuse me, kind of melee combat unlocking powers as you progress, you know, then Metroidvania retracing steps. But the precision it requires in its platforming is less than Celeste, but more than what is typically found in, you know, a Metroidvania type game. I know some of the Castlevania games had some pretty brutal uh, platforming segments where it's like the tiniest little parapet or whatever as an axe and a bat are coming at you. You have to floss between. But generally, like Super Metroid isn't super punishing in its platforming. This requires some uh, pretty cool and um, dexterous finger work of like dashing through thorns and then double jumping and then using your power. I think it's like a rooster punch is your you know, uppercut um, to kind of jump lateral through something while you're still in the air do your double jump then do your super to get up to a ledge and and fun platforming mechanics like that but then also really fun and interesting boss fights that i've heard evolve uh well throughout the game kind of like the way the first game did as it's constantly giving you powers and just a stunning and gorgeous game the art in the first game was incredible and i don't know i haven't played the first game in a while so maybe it's exactly the same it's just been years since i've played it but as i'm playing guacamelee 2 um, I feel like they upped the ante and it's just just gorgeous. The amount of colors the game uses and the way things are exploding and reacting is jaw-dropping, but never in a way that is distracting. I love Super Smash Brothers, but when you're playing four-player Smash, most of the time I'll be going, where am I? Where, oh, where am I? Oh, crap. Where am I? Oh, where am I? Because um, that game gets so distracting and Guacamelee really walks that line. And the hours I've put in, it has played great on Switch. I haven't noticed any performance problems or anything like that. So if you're on the fence about it, <laughs> heaven forbid you're looking for something to play because <laughs> there aren't enough games, uh, Guacamelee 2 is, is an easy, easy recommend. Megan, did you ever play the first or did you play this when it came out on consoles earlier in the year? I did play a little bit of the first game and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was unique and fun. I haven't played the sequel though, so now I will. Yeah, it's really well done and super easy to recommend if you liked the if you liked the first. It complements it well and it's so tongue in cheek. It's um it pokes fun at itself, it pokes fun at I don't want to spoil it. It pokes fun at some other games and other genres. Um yeah, it's it's a it's a really well made game. I've liked all of those. I think it's Drinkbox Studios. It's uh they're a clever clever studio that put out a quality product. So easy to recommend. And then the other reason I picked up my Hori D-pad that I'll give a slight product review to. Thumbs up is uh, Ninja Gaiden, the NES version, was coming out. I believe it came out on the 12th on the Nintendo Online service. And I wanted to play that game because I love that game. It's still so expletive hard, uh, Jeff. I don't know if you ever beat it. I know I never did. But my like gamer friend that lived down the street from me did. And that was always the game. He would come over like, I can beat it for you if you want. No, Terry, we don't want you to. Be- I can. It's not that hard. You just got to learn the combos. Like there aren't con- he's like you gotta jump here. Anyway, uh, I'll probably never beat it, but I love it. I have such bad, fond memories of that game. The bad news for me is, is I think you're my Terry. <laughs> if you well, can't beat it, then, then we're I'm never beating trouble. it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I think it, it's probably harder now because you're old. <laughs> probably, 
Yeah. Yeah. It, but the uh, D-pad works great on it. I'll tell you that. Uh, and I like save states. So I'm slowly work. Basically, after I clear a screen without dying, I save. I'm save scumming my way through Ninja Gaiden on NES. There you go. <laughs> As you should. That's great. Good times, man. Uh, well, on my playlist, I played a game that I have been anticipating for many years now. And that is Below, which finally came out from Cappy Games. Uh, I'm playing it on Xbox One X. Uh, it is a, an Xbox Game Pass game, which, man, that service is, I'm really enjoying having it uh, because all these games are coming out and I get to get to play them. Um, and it, Below is uh, beautiful. It, it really feels like a modern Zelda. Like if, is, what if the original Legend of Zelda was made today with all the things that we know and all the influences of of roguelikes and dark souls and all those kinds of games. Oh, and yet they still wanted to make Zelda the original legend of Zelda sort of top down legend of Zelda. I think this is the game that would, that would emerge. Um, and it, it is a game that I think doesn't care if you understand what's going on is, is totally fine keeping you in the dark, both figuratively and literally uh, because it's a game about darkness and light uh, which incidentally makes me very frustrated that it doesn't support HDR uh, because what about widescreen? Does it support widescreen? <laughs> uh, maybe I don't know. I haven't played on PC yet, uh, it, but it, yeah, it doesn't support HDR, which is a shame because it's all a game. It's a game about contrast. Uh, it is, it is stark. It is beautiful, but it's all about light and darkness. I mean, one of the central mechanics in the game is that you get this lamp, this lantern, this lamp that you have a finite supply of fuel for, a sort of magic lamp that can illuminate traps and things for you in the environment. Um, and so I think it would be, I would be a really beautiful game in HDR and it's, I'm sad that it doesn't support it, but uh, it is uh, a game that they are, are totally happy allowing the player to just kind of bumble around and not do things for quite a while because you don't know how you don't know what to do or where to go or there's no signposting. There's no, uh, it, it doesn't hold your hand at all. It doesn't tell you how to do anything. There's no tutorials. It just puts you in the world and lets you loose. And you sort of have to stumble around until you find stuff. There's a crafting system that's very Minecraftian where you combine things to create new things. It doesn't tell you how to do any of that. Uh, and, Is you know, that fun? Is that fun or rewarding? Is it? Is it more akin to like Dark Souls kind of setting you loose in the wor- world, but you have a, a sword and an enemy's approaching you or like Mario 1-1 where you can jump or walk toward this enemy or Breath of the Wild? Or is it like Zelda, NES Zelda, where you have a sword and a map and you just walk somewhere? Like is it is a certain area lit? Is it level designed or is it really just, hey, you've got two hours. See if you can. Like, do, you, do you think you've made progress or do you know you've made oh, progress? Oh, I've definitely made progress. Uh, it is... So let me explain. Uh, I'm not really sure what your question is, but I'll try to answer it anyway. Well, you said it doesn't tell you what to do. So I'm curious if you've played for two hours, are you like, oh, I'm clear, I'm closer to f- completing this game or figuring it out than I was when I started? Or is there a chance that maybe you aren't and you're just kind of still stumbling around in the dark? Well, I, I'll, I'll tell you two things on that. The first is I spent probably easily a half an hour of play of this game at the beginning, maybe more, but easily a half an hour. I didn't see a single enemy. Hmm. I was just wandering around this island. You you start the game, you land on this island, get off a ship, and then you go. 
and you're wandering around trying to, and you go to a place and it's clearly the place you're supposed to go, but you can't get in. And you're like, I don't know why I can't get in. I don't know if it's something I'm doing wrong or uh, I need to go someplace else. And you want and it's a game that's totally happy li- letting you live in that uncertainty, um, which is, can be a little frustrating. And, and a part of me was like, get going already. But it's a game that is very confident in its pace and very confident in its cadence and very confident in uh, the tone it wants to set. And I kind of realized that the game really is about pure discovery. It is a game of discovery. And that's really what it has to offer is you discovering it. Uh, And I think I found joy in that uh, at at a certain point. And so it's got this roguelike element and it's got survival elements. And I'm, I'm a little weary of survival games at this point. The first time I died in below, I died of starvation and as far as I'm concerned, there's nothing fun about that. <laughs> there's nothing fun about expiring because you were unable to find more food, right? Yeah, but it's better than dying of dysentery a la Oregon Trail, right? <laughs> True. But at least I made a decision to try to fjord that river, you know? <laughs> True. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the, the, just the like, well, I'm, I hope that there's food on the other side. No, there's no food here. I'm, I see my, my health dwindling away because my stomach is empty and I expired. And you die, and then, like a lot of rogue-like games nowadays, you start as a brand new character, and you can go and pick up the stuff on your corpse where you died. And the game sort of gives you a marker of where you died. Uh, And I was like, oh, really? And the game is called Below, right? So you are going down, down, down into a thing. And it, as you get to one level, it has like a little, little number one comes up. It goes one, you know, like a chapter marker, right? doesn't have a title. It just says one. And then you get to two and three. And so you're getting deeper in. And then once you die, you go, oh my God, I have to go through all of that again to get down to where I am. But then there are subtle differences. And then what you find out, and this is more to answer your question of what progression feels like, you get to the point where you get shortcuts to get you where you've gotten without having to go through all the stuff that got you there. So the new person that arrives on the Island that you play as after you die, doesn't have, can kind of skip all of the, all of the, or a lot of the stuff you had to do to get down to where you were to pick up your corpse. And that feels really cool. And and the, and the way you find those shortcuts is really exciting and they're always different. And it's sort of a little puzzle that you unlock. And, and as you kind of find new things and new elements, I mean, I, I, having talked to my 15 year old, Nephew, I know that a lot of the joy in Minecraft is, or at least at you know a certain level of play, is finding new elements and combining them and discovering these new recipes and cool stuff that you can build and create. And I'm finding that in Below, right? I'm, I'm, oh my gosh, I've never seen that before. Or oh, I combined those things and I made a, a something interesting. So you know, I'm relatively early on, but I'm intrigued by it. Uh, I was very concerned in my early play, plays at various conventions of it before it had come out that the the scale of the visuals where it's it's very pulled back and your character is really tiny on the screen i was really worried that was gonna be annoying to me that i i was always gonna want to feel like i i I wish i could zoom in and i still feel that a little bit but it's mitigated i think i've i've accepted it and it feels interesting um but it's a game that that seems to have a lot to yet reveal to me and I'm curious as to what the reveals are, and I'm 
I'm in, I'm, I'm intrigued enough to keep playing. So I, I'm going to be playing more of it, but, uh, and it's a really beautiful game. The music is exquisite. Cappy always has great music in their games. And, th- and this one is no, the sound design in general, but the music in particular is great. I feel like it, I, I made the joke to Megan earlier about just 2018 being a bad time for a game to come out, but I, I feel like this game had such hype behind it and it's on game pass, um, which I have, and I haven't downloaded it yet. Just, I, I can't, I want to sit down and play because I actually really enjoyed it. Was it three years ago? Maybe when I had a decent sized demo with it at E3 and I, I really want to spend the time with it, but I can't, I have four games on my switch that I'm still punching through and none of the Spider-Man DLC. And I, I just, I think yeah. it's really unfortunate. I don't know if it's a contract, like it had to come out in 2018 or if they thought this was a good time to launch it. I, I fear people might, um, not give it a shot, but it sounds like you're having a really good time with it. So if people are looking to play it, they should not be like me and, <laughs> and actually go and give it a shot. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, you bring up the switch. I think this would be a great game for the switch. It's a shame that it seems like it's going to be a Microsoft exclusive because, uh, I don't think that's possible, but it, it really feels like it would be an excellent game for that platform. Um, but I'm, I'm enjoying playing it on my Xbox one X, uh, NZ lion in the chat says the starvation death is basically a timer which Jeff has always said he hates in games. Yes, 100%. That's why it's this tick, 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 tick. I hope you find some food in time. Tick, tick, tick. Nope, you're dead. And uh, boy, that bothers me. It bumps me out. Not fun. Okay, uh, let's move on. I want to thank our second sponsor, Third Love. Hey, women listening to this show, listen up. Men who have women in your life that you love also listen up. Because Third Love is a bra manufacturer, uh, and they have revolutionized how bras are sold and how they're made. And uh, I'm so excited to tell you about this because uh, my wife has discovered it. She's fallen in love with it. I know, Christian, your wife has, uh, has fallen in love with it as well. Uh, Third Love real, was created, uh, the way a lot of these companies are, to sort of cut out the middleman, uh, sell directly to you online. But they did so much more than that. They basically uh, realized that most women are wearing bras that don't fit them, that are uh, have been ill-fitted. And they – I didn't know about this until I talked to my wife about it. But I guess the, the whole process of getting a bra fitted is not fun. It's kind of – it can be uncomfortable and not, not fun. Uh, Third Love has made – a process by which you determine your size much easier and quicker. They have what's called a fit finder quiz. It's basically uh, a, a few simple questions that they ask you that you can fill out and it will reveal uh, a much better size for you than, than even going into the store and getting sized. And, and more than that, they have more sizes than anybody. They basically have realized that much like shoes, you need a half size in between sizes that most women, 50% of women fall between standard cup sizes. So they basically invented half cup sizing and it has resulted in much more comfortable bras for women. Uh, and, and they're really, their focus is creating comfort. They have a uh, tagless labels for no itching. They have straps that don't slip, uh, ultra soft smoothing fabrics and lightweight, super thin memory foam cups and really sizes that are, are guaranteed to be uh, the right size for you. Um, it's 
it's pretty awesome. My wife loves it. I know, Christian, you, you said your wife has been wearing her uh, third love bras and enjoying them as well. She went back to the well. I mean, we got sent some to test to be able to talk about intelligently on this show. And they were hands down her favorite. And she ponied up real hard money to get more. I think that's the best testament you can say about something like that. It's like, you get it, you use it, it's great. You get it, you use it, it's great. You buy more of it. <laughs> right. Well, Third Love knows that there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they're offering listeners of DLC 15% off your first order. If you go to thirdlove.com slash DLC now, you can find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove, T-H-I-R-D-L-O-V-E dot com slash DLC for 15% off today. Time to talk a little VR. Been some interesting releases and uh, the deals for PSVR still every day on Twitter. I get people sending me uh, these insane PSVR deals. So I know a lot of people are jumping QVC if it ships. (laughs) That's nuts. It's nuts. I think that had to be a price error. Yeah. It's insane. Um, But Megan, I know that you have played a little uh, VR and uh, what have you been playing? Well, so I will confess that I have yet to actually play Tetris Effect on VR. I have it on the PlayStation 4. I've got my PSVR sitting in a box for about a year now. I've played games on it before, but until Borderlands 2 and Tetris Effect came out, I hadn't really touched it. And I'm pretty excited because everyone says that Tetris Effect is amazing on VR. So I was going to start that actually this weekend and I ended up not having time. Ah. But uh, the the reviews are in. That's why I put in the in the comments on the document soon. I see. Yes. But, uh, you. I think you will be very glad you pulled it out of the box, especially for Tetris Effect. Yes, but I'm curious to know about Borderlands 2 because uh, people who know me know I'm a huge, huge Borderlands fan, and I've bought it, you know, multiple times. And I'm like, well, is it worth getting on VR? I'm hoping you guys can enlighten me. Well, I have put in several hours on Borderlands 2 VR already, despite even being out of town this weekend. And uh, I am super impressed with it. I am super impressed. I have to admit, I was very worried about the move controller support. Uh, I have to admit, I have not tried it with DualShock. I know it supports DualShock. I have not tried it with DualShock. Uh, but I was really bummed that it didn't doesn't support aim the uh, the sort of gun stock uh, peripheral that was was shipped with Farpoint, uh, which huh. I think would be the perfect perfect for this game. Even though yeah. they do allow dual wielding, and that might be hard with a sort of rifle attachment. But still, I, I'm worth willing to give up my dual wielding I mean, for if you that can controller. dual wield with a dual shock, you can dual wield with an aim controller, right? It's not like this DualShock, right. this fits a dual-wheeled setup. Now, my brain, this works, but an aim, what's happening? My hands are on one rifle. Yeah. And to be honest, I haven't even, as much as I've played of it, I haven't even done any dual-wielding. I've just been single-gunning it anyway. But so, yeah, uh, from what people on Twitter have told me, uh, evidently the devs have said that they're hoping to add aim support in a future update. I certainly hope that's true. I think that would be a game-changer. But I'm really impressed with the move support. First of all, the game looks fantastic in VR. It really, the that cartoony, cel-shaded art style that defines Borderlands, I think works so well in VR. Uh, it, it, you don't feel, it doesn't feel like Skyrim VR felt to me on PSVR, which like felt like this really kind of watered down visual 
um, um, you can uh, just say butt. <laughs> it, it looked like a butt. It looked like a butt. Uh, this does not. This looks like it looks beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I actually uh, turned all of the comfort stuff off. Okay, it's so um, a pause. I, how do you? How do you? What does that mean? How do you move? Okay, so by default, I believe the game does what a lot of the games in first person do on PSVR, which is it. It does that vignetting on the sides where it kind of darkens the edges of your vision when you're moving. Um, and that tends to help people who have uh, a lot of problems with nausea. Uh, I don't know if I've just gotten my quote unquote VR legs and I've just kind of progressed beyond it or what, or if the games themselves are designed better, but I am able to turn that off now and not have any problems. Hmm. And I'm, I'm, and the game also supports teleporting. And smooth walking. I am. I almost exclusively exclusively do smooth walking. Although you can still do teleport. It's not a toggle in the options. It, you have both at your disposal how, at any time. How do you walk on with move controls? I'm getting to that. Okay, sorry. Uh, it's a really interesting idea, and that is so you've got the two two wands, one in each hand. One wand is your gun. Pull the trigger, shoot it, aim it, everything else. The other wand is your hand. And anywhere you point that wand and push the big main move button on the top, you move. So if you are holding it horizontally, you strafe. If you point it behind you, you backtrack. So you can be looking wherever you want to look and move wherever you want to move by just pointing what is most often your left hand where you want to go and pushing a button. So I am... I have been playing this game seated with one hand sticking straight out, uh, you know, shooting where I need to shoot, moving my gun around, moving my sights and shooting stuff. And the other hand sort of resting casually near my lap, sort of just like like my elbow resting in my lap and my arms sort of being more relaxed and just pointing that wand where I need to go and holding a button. So I'm constantly moving, able to strafe and run around and shoot and, all of that on top of the fact that this version of Borderlands 2 gives you a new ability, which is that you can slow down time with a push of a button and run around. So it kind of gives you a cheat mode that I think is a little helpful because some of that can be a little unwieldy, especially with enemies that are on top of you very fast. So you can stop time and or slow time. You don't stop it completely, but slow time and if run I around them and shoot them from behind. Down time. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it all works really, really well. And like I said, I, I have turned all of the comfort stuff off. I'm using smooth running and I'm going backwards and sideways and I'm not a, even a hint of nausea. Uh, but again, your mileage may vary because I don't, I don't know if I'm just, I've gotten used to it or, or what, but I used to be somebody that would get very motion sick. Um, so I don't know, but, uh, but it's been a blast and, so the coolest thing about Borderlands, as you know, Megan, and as anybody who's played Borderlands knows, the, the coolest thing about those games is the near infinite amount of guns you get. Oh, yeah. And this, I think, increases the joy of that because every gun you get that you equip, you can like hold it up and look at it and rotate it around in your hand and see all the cool details that make that weapon unique. And it, oh, very cool. Right? And it's so that sort of the loot, joy the the loot porn of it where you're like oh i got this cool new gun 
it is accentuated because you're able to kind of pick it up and hold it and it's in 3D and you're looking at it in your hand and it looks like it's close to you and you see all the minute details right there. And so that has been a blast. The shooting is really fun. I mean, the game is still the, the great game it was when it was released however many years ago. And uh, I, I'm having a blast with it. It's so, I have played way more of it than I ever thought I was going to play. I was going to like, well, I'll check this out and see if it's good. But I'm like, I want to play through this game again. It's fantastic in VR. I'm really happy to hear that not only does it play well, but you don't get total motion sickness. Those are the two things I was concerned about, and you have made it so that I am no longer worried about either of those things. Well, I hope that your uh, your experience is, is akin to mine because I, I am – I texted you the other night, Christian. I was like, Borderlands 2 is fantastic. I couldn't believe it. I, I mean, I thought it was going to be good, but I was worried it was going to be a sort of lazy port or something. The text – there's a lot of text you have to read in Borderlands. You know, you're looking at your yeah. gun stats and everything. Very clear and easy to read. The font is big and bright and bold, and it doesn't – I mean, reading stuff in VR can often be problematic. It is not. Uh, it's easy to read. The menus are easy to navigate. My only complaint is that because it is a game that it was not built for VR, every cutscene it transitions, and a lot of games mm-hmm. are doing this, but it transitions into that sort of you're watching a movie screen, mm-hmm. you know, virtual movie screen. So it, it transitions into a 2D screen when you see a cutscene, but i think they that was the only way they could do that without um, you absolutely lose your lunch uh, you know with the camera shooting all around and being crazy in the cutscenes. questions for you so you've played a bunch of vr a bunch of vr shooters this yeah. borderlands 2 excellent game uh probably won several games of the year when it came out in 2012 2014 like 2011 i want to wow. say okay yeah it's around there right yeah it's an old, i have it on vita let's just put it that way <laughs> <laughs> uh, old game been a lot of places is is if someone and let's say they have multiple headsets or maybe just on psvr like is this is this the shooter to get or i know you don't like the military um necessarily approach of like firewall zero hour but are there better shooters or is this just hey wow whoever thought borderlands 2 could work in vr because like road to vr's review of it and I'm not saying you need to compare your review to other reviews, but I read a bunch of the reviews and they were all like, hey, Borderlands works in VR. Neat. And like they were all like a better than middle of the road, but not like this is the shooter to buy. Like I'm curious in your experience of all these other shooters, is this a great shooter or is it just whoever thought I'd be playing this in VR? I, I mean, I think it is a little of both of those things because I, I think that um, it loses the thing that is, I think, the best quality of Borderlands, which is the co-op mm. mode, right? It, you don't have that at all in the game. Um, and there are games where you have awesome co-op. I mean, Raw Data and Onward and Firewall Zero Hour. There are a lot of games where... Firewall jo- zero hour sometimes <laughs> it still is and my I don't play it regularly but it's uh still spotty when I try. Well, regardless, the, those games are built around the experience of playing with other people, and that alone is really great. You know, it, it is especially in VR. Seeing another human being in VR while you're in VR is special. It's it's really fun. Uh, so it 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 loses that, and that's a bummer. But Borderlands is just a, it's a super triple A 
well-made, fun, funny experience. And so it's a little bit of column B too, which is like, oh my God, Borderlands is a great game that I'm revisiting. And it's a great new way to experience that world where it feels like I'm inside it rather than looking at it on a screen. And that's joyful. That's awesome. So I'm, I'm not certain it's the best VR shooter. There are a lot of excellent shooters made from the ground up for VR. Uh, but it is an excellent shooter that is excellent in VR, in my opinion, and uh, you know works super well and is a cool way to re- visit that universe like that that universe is fun to be in but it's also fun to be in you know what i mean <laughs> yeah so it's 40 I, bucks something like that i'm not sure i got a code uh but uh yeah it's it's quite good uh maybe i'll come yeah over. and in in borderlands defense i always call it diablo with guns yeah which is kind of what it is. I, I mean, it's more to me it's more of an action RPG than a shooter game. So it's kind of like it's it is a fun shooter, but it's not going to be like a Tom Clancy game. It's just a wacky, fun, good time where it's basically you blow stuff up, you grab all the loot, and then you just keep going. Right. Yeah, but you know, it does that. It does what it does very well, and and that it does. Know. Yeah, it does it well, and I'm happy to hear it does it well in VR. Yeah. Uh, Christian, you've been playing more of uh, Astrobot, which, uh, man, I, I just want to keep talking about that game forever. I hear such good things. Yeah. Yeah. If, you're, if you're pulling out your PSVR from the box and plugging it in, you owe it to yourself to pick up that game as well. Oh, okay. It is worth it. Right, Christian? Yeah, I don't want to reveal. I know I teased it on the last the, the last ALTMM I did, but like kind of where I was thinking of my top five games of the year. But have, I haven't finished it. I want to finish Astrobot before uh, our next week's show. Um, but I can safely say right now that I think if you're a large outlet that covers a lot of games and not just like only Nintendo games or whatever, and Astrobot isn't on your top 10, I'm going to assume you didn't have anyone play Astrobot. <laughs> like, Dude, bravo, um, agreed. It's it's phenomenal, and and it really does um, build well, which yeah. a lot of games don't anymore. And I think I, m- I remember my initial reaction to it was like, I love it, it's great, but it was a little more measured than your initial reaction to it. But as it opens up more, and you get to play around more in those worlds, and it constantly surprises you because I think a lot of VR games you put on the headset and you're it's it's great and overwhelming and so cool and it's fun to be uh in that world and then that's kind of what it does for another six hours and so astrobot has that and then it keeps building on it and keeps surprising you and keeps reinventing itself and and showing new little tricks and um yeah I, i i i will be shocked if this game isn't on a lot of outlets top 10 lists and if it doesn't get there i think it's a real shame because so i have friends in the the industry and one of them was just telling me last night that it is basically their game of the year yeah i it is i mean like i said we, you know we're doing our big game of the year show next week so i don't want to spoil that but yes it's assassin's creed <laughs> I mean, Jeff. you can just say it's assassin's creed good it, it well i mean <laughs> there are a lot of contenders there are a lot of contenders but uh I have said numerous times, and I'll reiterate again, that if this game starred Mario and was made by Nintendo, but it was the exact same game, everyone would be saying Game of the Year. People just ignore it because it's, one, in VR, and two, it's like an IP that no one seems to care about. But it is that good, 
It is that surprising. It has that many incredible ideas in it. And Christian, I cannot wait until you get to World 5. I cannot. World 5 is the last world. Every level in World 5 is just so rad. And the last two bosses are so much fun. Uh, I'm so glad you're you're going to finish it. It is... I man, I really want them to make a sequel. Yeah, more people need to be talking about it. Like your friend saying it's game of the year. It is straight up in the conversation for game of the year. even even in a year with such stellar games. It is in that conversation for sure. And I think what makes it so special is all of the things that it does that it doesn't need to do to still be a great game. Like you said, it's Astrobot Rescue Mission. It's not um, Sonic or it's not Crash. It's not some established ip that that sony is using to bring out it's this new little quirky little robots they were in the demo disc and they've kind of been around before playroom stuff but the amount of uh, animation that the character does the beauty and the design to the levels and the worlds and the way when you're under something being able to see your shadow on it and the way things animate and move and the way the water looks and the things in the world that i guess are npcs um, or these creatures that are just kind of walking around, filling out the space, the beauty and care to not only their design, their art direction, their animation. And then on top of all of that, the soundtrack is stellar. The sound yeah, effects fun. are phenomenal. Um, I'll add another tidbit to that, to that list that you're, that you're rattling off. Um, it, it's a game, you know, it's a game that even though it doesn't get the credit for this, I think it thinks of itself as being a mascot game for PlayStation. Yeah. And, I, and the way I say that is like when you defeat an enemy, it'll explode in a bunch of the yes. symbols for PlayStation, the plus and the triangle and the square and the circle. And, and, it, and it's very subtle, but it's like, yeah, it's, it's this PlayStation mascot thing that it doesn't even – it doesn't even get credit for, you know, it's like, it's like if this was Mario and it was doing that stuff, everybody would be gaga over it. But this game is underneath everybody's radar. And it's such a shame because it, like you said, Christian, it is made with that kind of love. Yeah. Something I didn't talk about on smash. Then I'll talk about it here. Cause it's the same thing. The way Astrobot does that with like the PlayStation, you know, logo or symbols, uh, bl- blowing out of people as they kind of get destroyed is similar and people do talk about it in Smash we haven't yet on this show but the way that each character's moves really represent nostalgia well also the most well known maybe some character that people would know is Mario so it's like his different special he's got the fireball the uppercut block punch then he's got his cape from Super Mario World and then he's got his uh, water jet pack from Sunshine and it's like all of these things that are moves of Mario over the years of this character that you see and you're like, oh, cool. Oh, man, Water, that game wasn't even one of his biggest games. He's doing that. And it incorporates that. And every character has that. Like nice little winks and nods to their franchises over the year. When you think about how many characters are in that game, it's really, truly special. And Astrobot does the same thing in terms of the love and attention of detail that it shows to Sony and its heritage and things that subtle kind of winks and nods to past games uh, or just kind of the legacy of that company and its um, beginnings and the robots and the the logos that come out of things. And it's subtle. It's not in your face. Like this makes the Paul George PlayStation sneakers seem garish by comparison. And I really <laughs> like those sneakers. Um, but it has it all integrated into the world in such a smart, cool way. Even the way you 
you put the dual shock into like you'll unlock a thing and this box will come floating up to you and you have to put your dual shock air quote in it to upgrade the dual shock for a little power and some of them are just tech boxes others are built into the world and it could have been the same it could just be the same graphical interface it doesn't need to be different but if you're in a world that's in a cave it looks like hand carved and you lock it in and all of that detail just goes to elevating this game from being hey platformers can work in vr and here's proof too as megan and her friend talked about uh or megan talked about her friend saying a, a worthy game of the year candidate and if the only reason I won't be my game of the year is to spite Jeff because I, I won't let him have <laughs> BRB game of the year. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, well, uh, Burgundy's Musk in the chat said, I'm praying for some DLC for Astrobot. Here, here. I hope it, I hope it is selling enough that it, it uh, becomes a franchise. It deserves it. Who would have um, thought, Jeff, like five months ago that we'd be like, I guess Moss was okay. You know? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Moss really felt like the PSVR platformer to to beat. And man, yeah, Astrobot really uh But also Moss is still really good. But like also Moss is excellent, yes, indeed. Yeah. All right. Uh that that was a lot of fun. Let let us move on now and thank our third sponsor, Robin Hood. Robin Hood is uh a, a movie that didn't do too well this year. No, but what we're talking about is Robin Hood. The investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos all commission free. Commission free. That's pretty crazy. The, the, I'm a person that always felt like I needed to get into the market, always felt like I, you know, always looked at the market and went, you know, basically that's a video game. Basically that's a video game. I should be interested in it. But I was so intimidated because it costs money and uh, that money can go away. And also it costs money just to trade. It costs money to play the video game. It's basically the, you know, putting the quarter in the coin slot just for the opportunity to play with your own money. But Robinhood lets you learn by doing because every trade is commission free. They don't take money. They don't charge you. Other brokerages can charge you up to 10 bucks for every trade. Robinhood doesn't charge a commission fee. You can trade stocks and keep all of your profits. Uh, and they have uh, basically they're designed for people like me who had never done this before, who are learning about it and want to learn by getting involved and learning the, the systems of the video game. They have a design that's built just for people like me that's easy to understand with charts and market data. They have a, a platform. It's all on the app, and you can you can build your portfolio and do, do it yourself. You can discover new stocks and uh, track your favorite companies with a personalized news feed. It's great. And Robinhood is also giving listeners of DLC a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio. All you have to do is sign up at DLC Podcast dot robinhood.com that's dlc podcast dot robinhood.com all right uh we're gonna wrap the show up now we do have a parting gift coming up so stick around for that but megan sullivan thank you so much for being here thank you for having me on this is fun i'm so glad to hear that we have had a great time chatting with you uh and i would love for you to tell people where they can keep up with you and your exploits online all right. Well, I mentioned it before, but you can find me on twitch.tv slash Celtic underscore queen. And I'm also always hanging about on Twitch at Megan, M-E-G-H-A-N, sorry, Twitter, M-E-G-H-A-N underscore 
IGN. Hit me up. Very cool. And I definitely want to check out your uh, your history video game history streams. That sounds really fun. They are fun. I have a really cool, chill cast of people who roll through and they love history. And even if you don't love history, come watch cool games. Awesome. Christian Spicer, what do you got going on this week? Uh, if you are in L.A. on Thursday, I'll be at Flappers in Burbank. And Friday, I'll be doing a show. It's like 11.59, midnight show. But Friday, 11.59 p.m. Uh, at UCB Franklin called Christmas in Hell. And I'm going to be doing my character. I've streamed him a couple of times. My um, F Yeah Dude character is going to be making appearance at every year Satan throws a Christmas party. Uh, and it's an annual show UCB does. So I'm bringing my FYD character to Christmas in Hell. That's Friday uh, at UCB. And Thursday is at Flappers. And then always on Twitter at Spicer. And then Twitch, which is pretty much just this show, Sunday night, 715 p.m pacific time start which is twitch.tv slash christian spicer and i am on twitter at jeff canada which is spelled with two n's and one t uh, you can also email us at the show at dlcfeedback at gmail.com we'd love uh, your questions and comments and really anything you'd like to say to us we read all of it dlcfeedback at gmail.com also, I do another podcast about movies and TV shows called the Slash Filmcast, which you can find at slashfilmcast.com. Uh, this week, we're talking about one you probably won't want to miss. It's all about Into the Spider-Verse. Yes. Uh, yes. Go see that movie. Indeed. Indeed. It is. Uh, it's, it's a delight. Uh, all right. Speaking of things to recommend, let's start our uh, parting gift. Megan, do you have something to help people get through their week? I do. I was trying to think of something non-nerdy, something practical and fun. And I recommend a subscription service called Birchbox. They send you free product samples. Well, it's $10 a month, but they'll send you all sorts of cool samples of hair and skin products. So you don't have to go to the drugstore and spend a ton of money on this stuff it's really useful for the ladies because makeup is expensive and it's really useful for the guys if you have shaving cream or hair products you're like man this is costing me an arm and a leg i recommend birchbox b-i-r-c-h-b-o-x very cool and of course uh i think we're all recommending into the spider verse this weekend oh heck yes yeah it's so great isn't it so great it's so- oh it's just it's 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 magical and it, it, it made me happy and i i don't want to spoil anything but just 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 go see it just go see it yes christian spicer uh, i think you're echoing that sentiment as well yeah i don't want to spoil your slash film cast that everyone should listen to but it is not only one of the best movies i've seen i think it is the most stunningly animated movie i've ever seen i'm trying to remember how i felt when i saw toy story one all those years ago and i was like right. There's no way movies will look like this is incredible. Someday PlayStation will look this good, they said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now Into the Spider-Verse is a, a feat. I haven't looked up how they did it. I kind of don't care. Um, the animation is just, even in the trailers, it's impressive. But somehow that stuff that's in the movie that they held out of the trailers is even more impressive. Close-ups, action scenes, just absolutely stunning and then don't sleep on the soundtrack the soundtrack is so go get it it's so So. well done it's so good 
Oh, um, that 90s rap that I love, man. So oh, good. Me too. We must be the same age because, man, that took me back to my teenage years and my childhood. It was so good. <laughs> so and don't good. let these old people, by saying 90s rap, imply that this is 90s rap. This is current hot rappers. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, except for like all the dead ones in the movie. <laughs> uh, wow. I mean, come on. Um, it, it is an incredible soundtrack. And the best part about it, um, Black Panther also an incredible soundtrack, but that soundtrack I can't listen to with my kids. Uh, End of the Spider Verse I can listen to with my kids. So go see the movie, listen to the soundtrack, yeah. and then I don't know if we need live action comic book movie. I was trying to think like, would Guardians have been better if it were this <laughs> style of animation? I think maybe. I hope that this is where Sony just puts all. I know that Venom made them all the money, and it's going to definitely become a franchise, and they're making all these other. Uh, spider villains into their own movies. Morbius and all these other ones are in the pipeline now because Venom made all the money. But I wish they would just make the, these. They just make these. They're and, so uh, good. It's so yeah. good. Speaking of music, uh, I've got a listener-suggested parting gift. Uh, this was sent to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This comes from uh, Dave from British Columbia. Kamloops, British Columbia, in fact. Uh, he says, I've often used Apple Music to check out the band recommendations that are given in Parting Gifts, particularly those from Christian. And based on that music, I have one to recommend to you. A Canadian band from the Toronto area that doesn't get enough love is USS. A bit punky, rocky, dancey, with lyrics that don't take themselves too seriously. Their last few albums, uh, Approved, Advanced Basics, and New World Alphabet, are all very good with some great songs. And I think my favorite album is Advanced Basic. Their, uh, their, and their song Yin Yang is from that album. It got a little bit of radio play and uh, originally tweaked me to the band. I usually just line those three albums up as a playlist and listen to them one after the other. Hope you do the same and enjoy. Let me know what you think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, have you heard of these guys, Christian? Uh, I read this before we did the show and I listened to them. And uh, I will uh, second the parting gift. Nice. Nice. USS. They're from Toronto. Uh, and uh, my parting gift, it may be a little obnoxious, but I'm going to say it anyway because uh, I've been kind of giddy about it all week. Uh, I two Over two years ago, I stood in line when they announced the Tesla Model 3, and I put my, my, my hard-earned cash down uh, on a down payment. And ever since that day, I've been saving my pennies. And I finally did it, guys. I finally got the Tesla Model 3. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. That was, a, that was a while ago. I know other Tesla fans who did the same thing. And I was like, man, I'm glad you got your stuff finally. Well, I had to do Sweet it before ride. I had to do it before uh, before the new year because the the tax rebates going on. Right. So I, made the, I made the tough decision to actually go ahead with it. Uh, it's been wild and uh, it's really it's fun saying goodbye to fossil fuels. I drive by gas stations now and like it seems so weird to not ever have to stop at one again. Um, but I am, uh, I, I feel like I'm driving the future. It really does feel like you're driving a computer and, uh, it drives me around often too, which is pretty wild. Wow. Uh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Christian, what's, you it, write in what's it? it like living in the future? Uh, you guys will know someday it's crazy here. I can't tell you uh, who won the Super Bowl, but it's wild. Um, no, yeah, it, it really is. It really does feel like the future. It's a, the the hardest thing to get used to, honestly, for me is that it knows who I am based on my phone. Like it, it, it has an app and it knows my phone. So I literally walk up to it, open the door that is unlocked automatically, get in, 
and drive away without touching any buttons or turning it on or using a key of any kind. And then when I get to where I'm going, I it's on. I just the radio is playing. It's it's you know it's on. I get to where I'm going. I get out of the car and I walk away and it knows to turn itself off and lock the door. But it's Jeez. hard because I'm like, I have to just trust that my car is not going to be <laughs> sitting there unlocked forever. I just leave. It's just cra- it's crazy. It's wow. crazy. Wow. I have some Tesla. Well, one, I did ride in it. It was incredible. The thing for me as a trying to be recovering car guy uh, is instant torque and acceleration that doesn't sound like <laughs> it's just like silent and you're going too fast. <laughs> um, so questions, and maybe we can take this off. I don't know if people are bored. Questions. Um, how does, are you paying like um, like a cell connection service? Like let's say you have it in like auto drive and you're getting to a place where you lose cell service. How does it know where you're going and stuff like that? Is there a subscription I mean, for a has- Tesla? It isn't a subscription. You, you, there is a subscription for their music service, evidently, but you get a year of that for free. Or like so, if you don't have your phone, how does it – you say, go home, car. Does it be like, sorry, yeah, I don't, I think you don't have is. your phone? I think, I, think, I think it would – well, no, it doesn't use my phone. It doesn't use my phone for the cell. For the cell. It has its own service. Like its own it maps my, and stuff? Yes. Huh. And you're not paying for that? No. I mean, I paid. I bought a very expensive car. Well, I mean, no, no, no. I'm going to edit that part out. So, my wife. I mean, I feel like at this point, babe, Jeff makes a good point. We, it's probably costing us money not to have one. Yeah, you're losing money. I mean, all the cell phone coverage alone. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it doesn't use your phone's cell phone coverage at all. It, huh. it is its own. It has its own thing, and everything is built. I mean, it's the maps are there. It has a full web browser in the car. Yeah, and it's uh, like LTE. Yeah, and it's it has a, a streaming service. A, a a music service that you get a year of. And then after that, I think it's a hundred bucks a year, but I, I don't know if I'll renew it. Ask me in a year when I, when it you runs could plug out. your phone in though. Like it's not as if exactly. Yeah. It also, you know, you can, yeah. Huh. Listen to whatever on your phone. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what happens if you tell it to drive into a place that it loses coverage on or what, but I don't think any of the, any of the driving for you stuff relies on the web. It just, it's all internal. I mean, it's using cameras and stuff. It, it can still do that. It just would, wouldn't necessarily know what turns to take, but that's, it's, it will still drive you even if it doesn't know what turns to take. And I guess it has maps of unsell. Like I can look up Google map data of middle of Montana or whatever. Yeah. Huh? Well, I feel cooler knowing that my good friend has a Tesla. So. Thanks, man. Uh, it's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. It's been, it's been a dream for, for quite a while. And I, I just want to, I also have, you know, we also have um, solar panels on my house. So like, I want to live in a, in a world where I'm having a smaller footprint, you know, it's like, that's what I want to do. So anyway, again, apologies if that came off as obnoxious. I know everybody's uh, has good recommendations of actual things. Uh, and, but I just kind of want to mention it because it's a pretty big deal for me. That's not obnoxious at all. Okay. I appreciate that. Thank you. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Megan Sullivan and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to all the folks in our chat rooms for hanging out with all of us in real time. We appreciate that. Uh, You guys make the show better and uh, we appreciate it. Uh, Thanks to our musical contributors, Sean Madigan, Zero Star, and Patrick L for making those cool bumpers. Uh, And thanks to all of you who download the show. We appreciate you, especially in this holiday season. It's fun to, uh, 
to know that uh, you are a part of our family as well. And uh, it's, it's very special. Again, the next two episodes are going to be fun. Uh, it's going to be our end of the year spectaculars, but uh, it's been, a, it's been great this year with all the guests we've had uh, and uh, bring on 2019 until next week. Think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.